It's the DPR Show. Welcome to episode 46 of Dauber Prospects Radio. I'm your host, Peter Harling. And 46th episode. Uh, last episode, I looked at some uh, players that wore number 45 and uh, or were drafted 45th overall, I should say, and I thought that was a little fun exercise. So took a look at number 46, and uh, the top four names I came up with to uh, be drafted 46th in their NHL draft years would be uh, Bob Probert, the tough guy himself. Uh, really liked Bob Probert as a player. It's a fantasy own. He almost had to have a rule where you couldn't draft him because, like, just like Gretzky, the guy just had so many penalty minutes if he's counted penalty minutes, and he could score. Uh, rest in peace, Bob. Uh, his book, Tough Guy, is a great read. I recommend picking that up if you're uh, if you're interested in hearing about what his life was like. I found his junior career playing days to be particularly of, of interest. Uh, there's a movie coming out, Tough Guy, on Bob Probert's uh, story, so I'm looking forward to seeing that when it's available as well. A couple other players picked 46 overall. Mark Osborne, former Maple Leaf. Jarrett Stoll, Darren McCarty. Uh, so... Not a lot of storied history with uh, being picked 46 overall, but uh, some interesting players nonetheless. All right, so we've got a really full episode for you today. Going to uh, be talking a little bit about uh, your waiver wire players you want to watch. I'll be doing a World Juniors review. Uh, Last episode, I talked about Team Canada in depth. Uh, and I also spoke about Team Finland in depth with guest Yoki Nevalainen. If you missed that on episode 45, be sure to check it out. Today, I'll take a look at some of the other relevant teams. Uh, just myself, no guests, so I'll kind of just gloss over them real quick. Uh, we'll be taking your questions as usual, followed up by our final segment with guest Braden Olofsson, who is helping me with the podcast. His uh, recent article on AHL and the top teams developing prospects is something that I think is of interest, and we'll take a look at that. Just wanted to take a second to give a shout out to some other podcasts. I just found out that Hockey Night in Canada has a podcast this season, which is fantastic. I was a huge fan of Hockey Night in Canada radio uh, when it was on Sirius XM, and then uh, it, they weren't allowed to carry on when uh, Sportsnet purchased them, so that was disappointing. I uh, missed the show, so I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast. It's going to be hosted by Rob Pizzo, who hosted Hockey Night in Canada Radio in their final season. Rob does good stuff. Looking forward to listening to you, Rob. If you don't listen to Keeping Carlson, <clears throat> I'm not sure what you're doing. It's a fantastic fantasy hockey uh, podcast. It focuses on NHL players. The guys don't know a lot about prospects, so make sure you, you don't drop me. I'm your, your prospect resource there. Um, but... Uh, NHL fantasy managing editor Pete Jensen was a a guest on the last episode and Elon and him spoke two hours in depth so that'll be a must listen to episode of Keeping Carlson the last couple episodes have had Cam Robinson on it as well the uh, Dauber Prospects managing editor you all know Cam very well so check out Keeping Carlson if you don't already Pete's got his own fantasy podcast it's uh, the nhl fantasy on ice show they put out pretty regular episodes so uh, look up look up that show nhl fantasy on ice give them a subscribe and uh if you can't get enough of me which doesn't sound right but if you can't you can catch me on the next episode of hockey dummies i'm talking to steven about world juniors on his show as well so if you uh want some more world junior talk 
that's where you can find some. So he's not that young, but he's a little undersized, 5'10", 185, but this days and age, who cares? He's only 7% owned in Fantrax leagues, so he's widely available. Uh, in his rookie season in the AHL, he's just tearing it up. He's got uh, 21 games played as of last night, uh, and Syracuse just beat up on the Marlies last night and uh, extended his point-scoring streak in that game. Uh, he's got, as of last night, he has 11 goals and 13 assists for 24 points. He has seven power play goals, 66 shots, over a point a game. So very, uh, very fantasy-relevant prospect. His uh, point streak is now 12 games in which he has nine goals and 18 points in that stretch. So Tampa Bay has a, a knack of finding some of the undersized players and, and turning them into NHL assets and fantasy assets. So take a look for him in your in your league. Another sort of undersized player I like is um, Adam Maskerin. Spoke about him on some previous episodes. He's in his rookie season in the AHL. He's a Dallas Stars prospect after being drafted by the Florida Panthers, going unsigned, going back into the draft last year, and he was picked in the second or third round, or maybe it was a third or fourth round. Anyways, Dallas scooped him up. He's only 8% fan tracks owned. He's a 20-year-old prospect as well. He's a little undersized, like I said, 5'10 as well, but he weighs 205 pounds, and he's not... He's not a little player. He's short, but he's not little. So I wouldn't let the size worry about, let you worry about that at all. Uh, in his 23 games, he has 10 goals and 8 assists for 18 points. Yeah, he's more of a shooter than a playmaker. And goal scoring is at a premium in the NHL. So uh, look for him to continue to develop and play this season in, in the AHL. Uh, but I, I think he's a player that has NHL upside for sure. Another Dallas Stars prospect I wanted to touch on is uh, Jason Robertson, former Kingston Frontenac, recently traded to Niagara in the OHL. He is leading the OHL in scoring. He is only 11% fan tracks owned. Uh, he is 31 games in this season. He has 31 goals, so he's scoring at a goal per game place. He has 28 assists for 59 points. That's just shy of two point per game production. He has 27 power play points. 166 shots, so he's a high-volume shooter, and 18.7% is his shooting percentage. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about Jason Robertson when we're on to Team USA, but he's only 11% fan tracks owned. Uh, I like his his upside. Take a look at him, see if he's available in your league. Last but not least, least another player I want to talk about this week is Trey Fix-Walansky. He is tearing up the dub right now. He's a Columbus Blue Jackets prospect. He is only 2% Fantrax owned. Uh, he is an undersized player as well, 5'7", 187 pounds. He was drafted uh, last year in uh, Dallas in the seventh round, 204th overall, so right near the end of the draft. Uh, he is uh, tied for first in the WHL with Brett Leeson, who I spoke about recently as well, and he's uh, looking like a lock to make Team Canada. Uh, is not even invited to the selection camp, even though they're tied for points. Uh, he's in 34 games. He's got 21 goals, 43 assists for 64 points. That's uh, 1.8 point per games. Uh, last year, he had 89 points in 71 games in the dub. So this is a player who, while undersized, is having no problem finding the back of the net and racking up points. Uh, and only 2% fan track zone, so he's almost definitely available in, in your league. Uh, 
All right, so those are your waiver player, waiver wire players to look at this week in your leagues. I'm going to take a little uh, little quick break here and come right back and dive deep into World Junior rosters and go over all the other prominent teams that weren't talked about on the last episode. So hang tight for that. It's the most wonderful time of the year. All right, we're back, and the World Juniors are the most wonderful time of the year. As I mentioned, if you missed on the last episode, uh, I talk about the Canadian World Junior roster and how that's likely going to shape out. The players, I think they're going to make the cut. The players, I think you need to watch and some fun storylines. So go back to episode 45 and check that out. You can also catch me talking to Yoki Neville about Team Finland. So moving forward today, I'm going to have a, a quick little chat about a couple more teams. Starting in Russia, uh, they're always a gold medal contending team, and I don't think this year will be any different. They have pretty good depth throughout their roster. Uh, up front, you can look at the line of probably Klim Kost and Alex Hovanov and Vitaly Kratsov to be their go-to offensive line. Uh, that's a, a team that, a, a roster, I should say, a line that has a lot of firepower. I like Clem Costin. He gives that line some jam and has some skill. He's playing in his second year in the AHL, so he's got all kinds of experience. He should be the leader on that team. Uh, another line I think you should look for would be uh, Grigory Denisenko, Ivan Morozov, and then Nikolai Kovalenko. That line should provide some good supplemental offense. Uh, uh, the Canadian... CHL Canada Russia Subway Series that just went through a few months, weeks, a month ago uh, was a great tournament. It always is. It's a great preliminary look at World Junior for Canada and Russia as players are vying to make the team. One line that dominated for Russia throughout the tournament was the combination of Pavel Shen and Stepan Starkov. Those guys led this tournament in scoring. And uh, when they got to Quebec, they were joined by. Ivan Chekovich, who's tearing up the queue for uh, for Russia. That line, I think, would stay intact as they showed some pretty good chemistry as they went through the CHL league. So that would even a third line, that's pretty great. And you still got some more options on the fourth line: Krill Marchenko, Krill Schlepitz, Ivan uh, Morozov, uh, and then you look at the blue line: uh, Washington Capitals prospect Alex Alexiev should be getting key minutes for them there. Ily Morozov is another player with Dmitry Samarukov that should get the lion's share of the minutes there. On uh, In the goal, they had a couple of players that were sharing a lot of the time in the Canada-Russia series. Uh, they split it between Columbus prospect Daniel Tarasov and Peter Koch- Kochkov. I really don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. I apologize. Uh, they both were really strong. So I think those guys will look to split the games, especially in the preliminary rounds. And then if one of them can take the reins and maybe have a shutout or something, might be the guy that uh, gets the gold medal starts or medal round starts, I should say. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. So Russia, always a contender for a medal. I think this year they will be again and uh, could compete for the gold medal again. Uh, moving over to this side of the pond, my neighbor to the south, the United States. They might be the team to beat. 
Um, they have a very strong roster led by the Hughes brothers. Jack Hughes, the Summers um, consensus top-ranked prospect, he's going to go number one. His brother, Quinn Hughes, was drafted last year by the Vancouver Canucks. He's an offensive defenseman. Those two, I think, will be the engine for this team, both up front and on defense. Last year, Hughes plays most of his season with the US NDP team. Joel Farabee and Oliver Wallstrom were on his wings. Those three should be reunited and play for the top line for USA. I think uh, Oliver Wallstrom is kind of struggling at Boston College this year. Uh, some people are jumping on the he's a bust bandwagon, but I think it's a little early for that. It's an adjustment going from the NC, uh, US NDP to NCAA. I think this tournament could be great for him. Reunited with, with his old uh, line mates could help gain his confidence back, help him find some scoring touch. So look for Oliver Wallstrom to have a, a bounce-back performance in this tournament. Uh, on the next line, you could look at uh, a number of options. I think Sasha Chemlevsky, Ottawa 67's winger, and um, I think he's a San Jose Sharks prospect. He's a, a small but uh, offensively gifted Winger. If he's not in the top six, he doesn't make the team, so he should be at least on the second line. Evan Barrett leading the NCAA in scoring as a Chicago Blackhawks prospect. Seems like a lock for the second line as well. Perhaps the center there, maybe Josh Norris, Ottawa Senators prospect, could be the second line center as well. Uh, Jason Robertson, a player I talked about in the last segment briefly from the Kingston Frontenacs, now Niagara. Uh, Ice Dogs leading the OHL in scoring, has a goal, a game pace. Uh, Some things I think about Jason Robertson, his foot speed is a little bit uh, suspect, but his offensive ability in terms of his shot and his underrated playmaking skills are certainly not in question here. I I see him make a lot of really nice plays in the OHL, and I wonder if that's going to translate to pro level. This tournament should be really interesting and to see if he's as effective in this tournament playing against elite and a lot of NHL-ready prospects uh, and if he can still make the plays and score the goals that he does in junior against some 16- and 17-year-olds from time to time. Uh, You can still look at a couple other players like Jay O'Brien, Jack Drury, Noah Cates as well. Those guys uh, would make great depth players for a tournament like this. Nice short tournament. They have offensive upside. Skating's not really a liability. They've got some size. They've got some two-way ability. They can play any role up and down a roster if injuries or opportunities come uh, come available. Sean Doogie is another really exciting player that I really am really, really cheering for for him to make this tournament. He's an undrafted, really undersized prospect. He's about 5'4", 5'3", whatever it is. Um, he's noticeably, noticeably short. He doesn't let that slow him down, though. He plays a, an offensive uh, and high-energy kind of a role. He's not afraid to play the body and try and separate the opposition from the puck using his body. Um, not always as super effective, but uh, you can't argue this kid's compete level. He's got the Rudy factor going for him. He was invited to the San Jose Sharks prospect tournament, and the fans there were chanting his name hoping that he would get signed to a contract. It didn't happen. So he's still a free agent, and hopefully he can make this tournament. If he does, it'll probably be as the 13th forward. But hopefully he'll get an opportunity to play in at least one game. And like I said, if there's an injury or another opportunity, he's a player that you could insert pretty much anywhere in the lineup. 
Um, and because of his compete level and consistency, he could uh, fill in. The blue line for the United States is pretty great too. Obviously, I mentioned Quinn Hughes will be their number one defenseman. Dylan Sandberg and Mikey Anderson are a couple of great prospects playing together in the NCAA with University of Minnesota Duluth. So they'll have a lot of familiarity and chemistry coming into this tournament, which can't be understated. Um, so players that will be competing to play uh, partner with Quinn Hughes could be guys like Matthias Samuelson or Keandre Miller. Those would be my two favorite players to get uh, the shotgun roll with Quinn Hughes in the top minutes for USA. Some other options would be uh, Ty Emerson or Joey Keane. In goal, the United States are strong as well. Caden Primo, Kyle Kaiser, uh, and Spencer Knight, the top-ranked goalie for the upcoming draft in Vancouver. He could be going as high as a first round, which is pretty rare these days for goalies to get that kind of recognition, but uh, Apparently this kid's the real deal, so I hope to get a really good opportunity to watch him play at least a game, maybe against a team like uh, uh, Kazakhstan or something like that. It would be a good opportunity for him to get some some nice time in this tournament. All right, so there's two teams down. Just a quick look at Czechoslovakia. Sorry, Czech Republic. There's not a whole lot of uh, players on here that I'm super familiar with outside of the top line of Philip Zadina, Martin Nikash, and uh, Martin Kaut. That line should be pretty much everything that drives the Czech Republic team. Ostap Safin on the second line, probably Jakub Laka as well, Boston Bruins prospect. Those guys can provide some some supplemental offense, but they'll really be strongly dependent on their top line, specifically Zadina. This will be his second go-around at the World Juniors, and he really impressed last year. He went head-to-head as uh, in competition with Sveshnikov for the top-ranked forward in the draft. And Svechnikov went in with the edge, but Zadina outgunned him. So he'll have an opportunity to really um, really impress and, and wow in this tournament uh, going in this year. Uh, Sweden is a team that likes to finish fourth in this tournament, and they've got the defense to compete for a medal, but they're a little bit thin, I think, on the forward ranks. There's not a lot of household names on the Swedish roster. Elvins, Isaac Lundstrom, Emil Brandstrom, Philip Hellander, Jacob Olofsson. Uh, these are some of the top names up front. Um, not a whole lot of franchise caliber prospects there. It thins out a little bit after that as well. Eric Brandstrom uh, will be their number one defenseman, along with probably Adam Boquist. Unfortunately, Sweden's going to be missing Timothy Liljegren, Toronto Maple Leafs prospect, in his second season in the AHL due to injury, so that's unfortunate. But the Leafs' blue line will be represented. Rasmus Sandin is in his first season in the AHL as an 18-year-old. I think he uh, he's a lock for this roster. He's looked really great in the AHL, looking like a veteran. Adam Ginning and Nils Lundqvist are, are likely going to be the bottom-pairing defensemen. Samuel Eriksson, Ole Eriksson Ek, will be competing for starts in goal for Sweden. So it'd be interesting to see how Sweden can compete in this. Um, I think my top expectations for, for teams to medal in this in no particular order would be United States, Canada, uh, Russia, and Finland. I think <clears throat> those are the deepest rosters. All right, so there's a little, uh, little, little more World Junior talk to get through this episode. 
Gonna take another little quick break here, <clears throat> clear my throat, and uh, when we come back, I'll be talking uh, your fantasy hockey prospect questions, and then uh, we'll catch up with with Braden. So hang on for that. We're back, and it's time to get to your questions. You've got questions for the DPR show, uh, for your fantasy hockey prospect needs, and I'll do my very best to answer them. So the first question today comes to me from Alex Claremont, at Claremont underscore Alex. Alex's question is, how quick do you think Quinn Hughes will take to adjust to the NHL and really start to produce on what seems to be a dream situation as the power play quarterback in Vancouver? Great question, Alex. Uh, I think it is a potentially very good situation for him, having a player like uh, Elias Pettersson's skill set playing on the first unit power play uh, with a sniper like Brock Besser to ride shotgun with him. I don't think there's much question that Quinn Hughes will be the power play quarterback for Vancouver Canucks as soon as he arrives, and I think that will be instantly. I think his success will be uh, right out of the gate. I think he'll hit the ground running. He has such outstanding skating abilities and puck handling skills and vision that I don't think there'll be much adjustment time for him. Uh, He is looking great at the NCAA level. I can't wait to get a look at him with the USA and the World Juniors coming up here real soon, and I think he will be very impressive and not disappoint. Uh, he has 17 points in 17 games at the University of Michigan. Sorry, 17 assists in 17 games. 20 points so far this season. Uh, so I don't think there's much question that his fantasy impact will be immediate. All right, so the next question comes to me from Friend of the show, Mark Allred, host of the Black and Gold podcast. Mark is at Black and Gold 277. And he wants to know where we see the developing depth of his beloved NHL Bruins organization. Um, he said that uh, Corey Promen ranked him pretty high in a recent article, and he was wondering what we think, the where we think they sit midseason. Uh, so thanks for the question, Mark. Good stuff. I recently did a organizational prospect ranking just recently in the summer before the season started and I got it a consensus ranking from a number of different prospect writers for Dubber Prospects. There's about six or seven of us all together contributing to it. I had them ranked very high inside the top 10 but as I said it was a consensus ranking and their overall place finished 13th overall. Um, I really like the Boston Bruins prospect depth. I think they've done a really good job finding talented players I look at players like Jad Stagnica, who I think should make Team Canada. He's not a lock for it, but I think he's got a, a very good chance to be there. Ryan Donato, Jake DeBrusque, JFK, Charlie McAvoy, Trent Frederick. These are all players that have made it to the Bruins at some point during the season this year, uh, partially because of injuries. You have players like Charlie McAvoy, who's still very, very young and on the roster and is an established NHL star. Urho Vakaninen, Trent Frederick, uh, the list goes on. Jeremy Lozen, Zachary Sanishin. Uh, so I think the Bruins have really, really good prospect depth. And I think their prospects are developing along quite nicely. I think they need some of them, maybe one or two of them, to really step up. 
and make an impact on the roster and take some pressure off that top sensational line they have with Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasta. Uh, don't forget they also have Alex Koklachev, who's playing in the KHL and doing really, really well over there, by the way. He's also in the last year of a contract, so there's a very good possibility that he could sign back in the NHL. The Bruins could add him to their roster. A lot's changed since he left, and whatever the reasons for him leaving were at the time, a lot of wholesale change there, new GM, new coach, new roster, so the door might be open for him to return, or at the very least, if he wants to return to the NHL, the Bruins could use him as an asset to acquire another player. So, Short answer, where do I see them personally? I see them in the top half of the league for sure. All right, so that's from Mark. The next question comes to me from Jeff Putman at Putski88. And he asked me to redraft the top 10 of the 2017 draft. This is a fascinating question. I really like this. So it'll be a fun little exercise to do. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it took some time doing it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And he also wants to know if uh, Nico still goes number one. And the the answer to that is uh, no. No, he does not. I have number one. Let's start at the 10 and work my way up. So I put uh, in 10th, Yoki Haru, drafted by uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And I think they got a good value with him. Morgan Frost, Philadelphia Flyers. He's tearing up the OHL since he was drafted. It's safe to say his stock has, has really risen. Philip Heedle, the New York Rangers, they picked him after Lys Anderson. I think uh, I rank Philip Heedle a little bit higher than Lys Anderson, especially for fantasy rankings. Uh, at seven, I go Robert Thomas. I think St. Louis Blues got themselves a, a gamer there. He's in the NHL now already. Uh, number six, I go Jeff Glass. Still with the Vegas Golden Knights, their first overall pick. Uh, then at fifth, I go defense and Kale McCarr. He's having a very good season in the NCAA, leading his team in scoring as a rookie. I think Colorado's got their future power play quarterback as soon as next year. Uh, then fourth, I go Nolan Patrick, who was ranked number one for a large part of the season. And uh, I think... He's made it to the NHL right away, but I think the upside on some other players is a little bit higher. Uh, looking at number three, I'm going Dallas Stars' Miro Heiskanen. This guy, I think, is going to be a dominant defenseman in the NHL and a quarterback stud, blue line anchor for the Dallas Stars. Nico Hishu fits in at number two, drops down one, and that leaves Cam's buddy, Elias Pettersson as number one. Uh, Elias Pettersson has taken the NHL by storm as a rookie here, and he has people putting him in the same conversation as uh, elite, elite, elite players like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and Austin Matthews. Um, It's a little bit hard to argue that when you look at his stats this season. Uh, So thanks for that question, Jeff. Next question comes to me from Kyle Outridge at Kyle Outridge TLC. He asks, uh, will Ian Scott play for Canada? And the short answer to that, Kyle, is uh, yes. I think he will make the Canadian World Junior roster. And I think, yes, he will get some some game times. I think Michael DiPietro will be it'd be his job to lose going into this tournament. I, and I don't anticipate that he will lose it, but I do believe that they will give him some games anyways and not play uh, DiPietro every game. 
Next question comes from friend of the show, Lucas Main at LAM1926. He wants to know if Nikushin, Valerie Nikushin, Dallas Stars prospect, could be headed to the waivers with an attempt to terminate his contract. So it looks like Lucas is prepared to call Val Nikushkin a bust. He is a first-round pick by the Dallas Stars, 23 years old. He's making $2.95 million, which is a little bit high of a cap hit for a player that uh, has played 22 games and has no goals and four assists. has been a healthy scratch. When he's not a healthy scratch, he's uh, lingering on the fourth line, playing about 12 minutes and 33 seconds time on ice a game. I haven't watched a lot of Dallas Stars games this season so far, unfortunately, so I can't really say that I have a really good finger on the pulse for what Nikushkin's game looks like. Is he just in the coach's doghouse? It's not like his last couple seasons in the KHL were anything to rave about. Uh, Last year, he played 50 games and had 27 points. The year before that was a little bit better, 36 games and 24 points. Uh, So not, not a total bust in the KHL, but he's certainly having a difficult time making it in Dallas. So do I think that they will put him on waivers in order to buy out his contract? Uh, No, I don't think that they're willing to walk away from this asset. Uh, They might put him on waivers and look at another team potentially claiming him. I think that's a little bit more likely. Um, I think a team would take a a claim and a chance on him because he is only 23 years old uh, and it wouldn't be a loss for nothing. They would gain that salary cap space of, of nearly $3 million back. Uh, they could just send him down to the minors, though. I believe he's he's not waiver exempt. Um, most likely, though, would be that they just say, you know what, we're we're giving up on this kid. Uh, maybe there's another team out there that has a kid that they want to give up on, and, and we can make a trade. So maybe a team like the New York Islanders, a player like Michael Dal Cole or Josh Hosang, uh, other highly drafted prospects that have yet to crack our NHL roster on a consistent basis and might just need a change of scenery in order to hopefully get their game together. So trading one problem for another. So that's the way I see that one going. Or he just bolts and goes back to the KHL and we never see him again. Uh, All right. Next and final question comes to me from Adam Zwick at A-T-O-Z-W-I-C-K. He's wondering how long until Samuel Maltenball is in the NHL. He thinks that he's blocked by two goalies, being Luongo and Reimer, and that Hutchison would be the favorite right now for a recall uh, from the AHL if Florida had a need for that. So very interesting. So let's take a look at that. You got Luongo and Reimer, as, as Adam pointed out, blocking his ability to make it to the NHL. And Luongo is 39 years old and has three years remaining on his contract. Reimer is 30 years old and has two years remaining on his contract. So Reimer at 30 with two more years to go is pretty attractive situation contractually. Uh, Luongo at 39 with three years to go, it's getting more and more likely that he is not going to be able to play out that contract. And he might, him, he's just struggling with injuries every season. At 39 years old, that might make it difficult to stay on top of his game. Uh, he's still their number one goalie, I believe, and if he's healthy, they would be looking at him to carry the mail for him. However, he is 39 years old, and this could possibly be his last season. So working on that assumption, he would uh, go into early retirement, which would sting the Vancouver Canucks, and they're all cringing right now because that would be a cap recapture penalty for them. 
because they signed him to that monster contract that, in Luongo's own words, sucked. Um, Sammy Montalban is in his second year in the AHL, and to Adam's point, he's doing very well. He's got 14 games played, uh, 281 goals against average, and a 913 save percentage, and his record is 9-3-2. That's pretty good. And I think he definitely deserves a shot. I'm not sure that he is correct, though, saying that Hutchinson would be the favorite in a recall situation. I think Hutchinson has had his opportunities to show that he can be an NHL starting goalie. Uh, he is a AHL starting goalie for now. Uh, I don't see that changing. He might get called up for a short stint, but when you got a player that you think could be your future in net and a player like Sammy Maltabon, why wouldn't you call him up and give him uh, a sniff? Um kind of dangle that carrot a little bit more in front of him keep him motivated playing in the juniors uh, let him know that he's uh he's almost there uh you basically just need an opportunity for him to come up uh so i think sammy multimal could find himself in playing in the nhl as soon as next year all right so that's it for questions for now now we're going to cut out and do a little interview talk time with Braden olofsson and we're going to talk about his view of the top prospect developing teams in the AHL. All right, so back on to the show. Let's uh, let's take on a guest and uh, would like to welcome Braden Olofsson from Dauber Prospects onto the show. Braden has been uh, working in the background with me with some of my limited technical capacities, helping me figure out how to do things like, like this, record a Skype interview and have guests on the show like Braden. So it seemed rather fitting that I uh, brought him onto the show and put, uh, put him on the air with me here. So Braden, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, Pete, how's it going? Not so bad, eh? Awesome. Uh, yeah, so let's talk a little hockey. Let's, uh, I kind of really was interested in an article that you just recently posted. Uh, you do the, you're doing Tampa Bay Lightning still for Dauber Prospect, um, right? Not, not so much Tampa anymore. Uh, I believe they found another writer to cover Tampa, but I've kind of taken over the Rangers page now. Good, because there is a little bit more opportunity. You have the Tampa Bay Prospects really up to date, lots of content. Uh, and then you've also taken on the journey on the main site with Dauber, and you're doing the AHL uh, article every month with us. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so your recent article in the AHL was a really good one. Uh, I kind of wanted to pick your brain on that and just kind of tell the listeners what it is you uh, what you put together here. Sure. So so this last article that I that I. Uh, Got up on the Dauber Prospect site uh, for the AHL monthly piece um, is is in regards to uh, each farm system. Um, well, more focused uh, in particular, obviously on their on their AHL team um, and and how each each team kind of utilizes their farm system, um, how much focus they put on development. Um, you know, obviously each each organization has. Uh, free reign to to develop uh, their their prospects in in whichever uh, whichever league they choose. But um, the AHL is kind of commonly uh, referred to as one of the best development leagues in the world. Um, it might be a point of argument, but um, it's typically kind of the last stop for prospects on their way to the NHL. So, uh, like like I said, um, it's it's a uh, 
commonly referred to as the as the top development league in the world. Um, so when prospects are there, that's that's their last stop before the NHL. Typically, um, if if that's going to be a, a route that they end up going. Um, so um, I looked at a few teams. I, I had a look at each of the rosters in the AHL. Um, had had a look at how many teams are uh, putting a putting a focus on on uh, infusing some of their young guys into the lineup. Uh, which teams are uh, utilizing some veterans, um, and just kind of did a, a general assessment of uh, which ones which ones do a good job of of uh, getting those young guys prime minutes, um, and which ones kind of just stick them on the shelf and filter them through uh, on a little less frequent basis. Right. I think you could definitely make an argument that the AHL is not the top development league in the world, but I think you'd be losing that argument. I'm with you. I think it's the <laughs> AHL for sure. Yeah. Um, like, and I think like, it's really translates well into fantasy hockey as well, because people who are in leagues like the DPFHL, like the one we are, you want to know which teams are the best at developing their prospects. Cause you've got a deep prospect roster. You can stash a whole bunch of players on. You want to pick players from teams that are, that are good at developing their players. Uh, a team that's really struggled with that in the past, in my opinion, has been the New York Islanders. They've had a lot of top-ranked draft picks, right. early picks, and had a difficult time getting those players into the NHL. Right. Um, and it's interesting that they, they make your list here today. So let's talk about your list. And uh, the top-ranked team, I don't really have an argument with you, is the Carolina Hurricanes. They've got a nice young roster in the NHL. Uh, and then when you look at the who the top prospects are playing in Charlotte with them, you've got guys like Martin Nishkash, Jake Bean, Julian Goche, Yanni Kukinen, uh, Alexi Sorella, Alex Net- Nedlevic, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Roland McEwen, Morgan Geeky, the list goes on. So they're yeah. a really young team, and not only that, but they're like first in the AHL, right? Uh, they're they're right at the top of their division right now, for sure. Um, and I, I think you're right, actually. I think they are at the top of the league. So I'm glad you mentioned um, Bridgeport. Um, like like you say, uh, the Islanders have had a tough time developing their prospects. I guess a good, fair point to make is that the article kind of uh, more put a focus on on which AHL teams have uh, more or less the, the keys to their franchise, I guess, or the keys to the, pro- the prospects, the top prospects in the franchise. So um, we'll get to it more maybe when we move on to Bridgeport. But, but basically um, what, I, what I was getting across there is that Bridgeport has um, the prospects that might be the most important to the Islanders roster in the future or potentially not depending on how they develop. All right. Whether well, let's let's stay on Carolina. Who are some of the the prospects on this roster that you think are the closest to making the jump into the NHL? For sure. So you mentioned um, Martin Nikash. Um, he's definitely a guy at the top of Carolina's roster there, or Carolina's depth chart, who uh, who's going to make an impact in the future. Um, but a guy who's come up and really come on this year is uh, Yanni Kukinen, who's. Uh, who's doing very close to a point of game in the AHL. He's getting really excellent development minutes. Um, he's getting time on the power play in Charlotte. Um, I don't know if he's getting a whole heck of a lot of time killing penalties, um, but he's more of an offensive guy, playmaker anyways. So he's, he's getting a lot of opportunity to prove that down in Charlotte. 
Um, and I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get a little little time in in, uh, in Raleigh later on in the year. Uh, I believe he had four games uh, throughout the year last year. Uh, Might have been in just in just one stint with with uh, the Hurricanes, but he's a guy that really kind of has climbed up on on my radar this year. Um, another guy that I'm not sure you mentioned um, who who could potentially be a, a depth guy in the future uh, with Carolina is. Uh, Andrew Podorowski, who uh, who came out of Hockey East about two seasons ago, I think, and and he had a, a pretty monster year in in the NCAA. So he's another guy, maybe to kind of keep in the back of guys' minds going forward. Um, he's he's probably going to be a, a top six AHLer for for the the near future, but but could eventually have a chance to to get into the depth of an NHL roster, whether or not he sticks with the Carolina organization or not. Right, right. Yeah, there's a, a couple players on this uh, list that I just rammed off that have NHL games. Roland McEwen, former Kingston Frontenacs captain, he made it into 10 games last year as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm really surprised that, speaking of Carolina, that, that they got rid of their GM, Ron Francis, uh, earlier. I really thought he was doing a fantastic job. Uh, he came into Carolina and did a Really great job of drafting, acquiring prospects via trade, acquiring draft picks via trade, and really help them replenish their prospect cupboard. And right on, I would say, the eve of the precipice of the bearing the fruits of that labor, they let him go. So another GM's come in here and is, I think, is going to get a lot of undue recognition for a lot of Ron Francis's work. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure that I, I definitely didn't support the decision to let him go. I really liked what he was doing in Carolina. Uh, but then again, I'm a prospect guy, and I didn't think the Flyers should have let Ron Hextall go either. I thought he was doing a, a very good job with Philadelphia. If you look at their prospect Absolutely. list. Two, two awesome, awesome uh, pipelines in, in both those organizations that um, aren't going to have those general managers around to uh, to reap maybe the, the benefits of, of their work. And I, I think this is a bit of the Vegas fallout, too, here, because Vegas comes into the league as an expansion team. And has immediate success and goes right to the Stanley Cup Finals. So now you got all these owners like, wait a minute, what are you yeah. talking about? Five year rebuild. Right. Vegas went from scratch right to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. Um, your patience mantra is is no longer holding water with me. Uh, so I think that was bad news for the uh, old fashioned way of of GMing. So let's yeah. move on from Carolina. Uh, the next team on your list is a team I talked about on a, a recent episode as well, Buffalo, and uh, their AHL affiliate, the Rochester Americans. They are <laughs> dominating the scoring leaders with guys like uh, Lawrence Pilat and Alex Nylander and Victor Olofsson. Uh, yep. That's just to name a few. Uh, so tell me about how you see their pipeline coming along. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of make a little interesting transition here on the note of, uh, of both Buffalo and uh, Carolina. So um, I, I can't remember who, uh, if, if Ron Francis was still, still uh, in the front office there when, when uh, Carolina made their trade with Jeff Skinner with Buffalo. Um, but Cliff Pooh was a guy that came back in that deal. And he's a guy who's kind of uh, been, been off to a disappointing start in, in the Carolina organization so far down in Charlotte. Um, on the other hand, in Buffalo, they've kind of had a, a similar occurrence there with Danny O'Regan, who came over from from uh, San Jose a couple of years ago. Uh, I believe that was part of, well, not a couple of years ago, but about a year ago with with um, that Evander Kane deal, I believe. 
Um, he was kind of a budding prospect in the San Jose organization and he's come into Buffalo and, and sort of disappointed here over the last, last couple, couple months. Um, I've been working on, uh, the, the fastest rising prospects from, from Dauber's list here this week. And he's one of the guys who's actually dropped the most on Dauber's list. So, uh, that's a guy that if, if you've had on your list in the past or, or he's already on your roster, you might want to consider uh, looking at other options there. Yeah, I got to see him play uh, quite a bit with Kingston last year when they acquired him for a, a playoff push. Uh, not super impressed. He was even a yeah. healthy scratch a couple times. Yeah, for sure. So uh, in terms of guys that are that are on the rise or, or holding steady in, in Buffalo, uh, Brendan Gooley's a big guy on uh, on the, the blue line side of things. Uh, played played some junior hockey in Prince Albert, um, had, had a lot of success there and sort of came right into Rochester uh, and, and, and started having uh, offensive success in the AHL, which is a, a tough transition to make. Uh, Alex Nylander, like you mentioned, is, uh, is a guy who maybe has taken a little longer now to come along in the professional ranks, um, but, but there's still a lot, of, a lot of potential there, a lot of offensive potential, uh, top six potential in my mind uh, still. It uh, it might take a little while here for him to uh, fully realize that potential, but uh, I think it's still there. Victor Olafson's a, a guy who uh, has has really come on in in the American League this year. Um, I believe this is his first year in the AHL. He played overseas in uh, in the Swedish Hockey League last year, and he had a really hot October and November. He's kind of started to uh, to drop off a little bit in terms of offense this month, but um, he's still he's still on a on a pretty uh, pretty good track to uh, to nearly break a point a game this season, I think. Yeah, he had an injury and he was called up for a little bit, so that's why his he right. hasn't been stuffing the stat board for a while. Right. And, and Rasmus Asplund is another player. He's you got he's so good you got him on this list twice. But he's a player I think has uh, ability to to play in a top six role in the NHL too. Right, and this is uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, also his first year in in North America as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's a bit of a gap there obviously between, uh, Carolina's list and, uh, and Buffalo's list. Um, Carolina's, you know, such a, such a good organization that I think that, that possibly plays into, uh, maybe the, the struggles that Cliff Pooh has had in that, uh, in the, in the depths of Charlotte. Um, so, so Buffalo's got, you know, a, a good core, um, group of prospects that are playing in in rochester and contributing there so um, those guys are all getting a pretty good opportunity uh, when they're struggling um you know they're they're kind of knocked down a peg and uh and they wait for those guys to get their groove back uh, and when they're having success obviously like in the case of uh lawrence pilu you know he's he's up in buffalo there uh and they're giving him that opportunity all right, let's uh, move on to the third-ranked team you have on this list: the Vancouver Canucks and their AHL affiliate, the Utica. Utica yeah, excuse me, Utica. Utica. Easy for me to say. Comets. <laughs> ah, tongue twister. Um, I don't think there's an NHL team that has uh, a prospect pool that I think is as good as the Vancouver Canucks. They are looking really great. They got a bunch of players that I'm I maybe it's just that I'm personal fans of them. But if you look at the roster, they've already got players like Besser and Petterson on the roster. You've got pillars up front there. You've got a defenseman like Ole Ulevi and uh, uh, Quinn Hughes. So pillars on their their defense. You've got Thatcher Demko 
as a pillar prospect in goal. Their future looks really bright. Uh, only two of these players are in Utica, though, Demko and Yolevi. The rest are uh, in other leagues. Uh, Jonathan Dolan, Joni Gajevic, Petrus Palmu, Cole Lind. Zach McEwen is a player that I really like. I picked him up recently in the DPFHL. He's, he's got close to a point-a-game player for uh, a really big physical player. So there's a lot to like about the Canucks prospects. Yep. Uh, who, uh, who do you see as being future impact players? Well, I think I think a guy that uh, kind of f- tends to fly under the radar, and and this year hasn't been off to uh, an awesome start, um, and and sort of dealt with some injuries right off the bat, is Cole Lind. Um, and I, I guess I'm a little biased there. Uh, he's a, he's a good old Saskatchewan boy. Um, so so Cole Lind, this is his first year in uh, in Utica or in the AHL. Um, he came out of uh, out of Kelowna in the WHL last year. Um, I guess he got six games in with Utica at the end of his year. Um, he just about broke a hundred points with, with Kelowna. Um, so, so as far as rookies go in the AHL there, there can be a little bit of an adjustment period, um, as there is with, uh, transitioning from, from one league to another. Typically, um, he's a guy who, who could kind of, uh, come out of the depths here in, in, in that organization in a couple of years. Um, and he'll he'll get an opportunity in in uh, Utica as as they continue to filter guys into the Vancouver team. Um, Jonathan Dolan's obviously another guy who's right at the top of that list, uh, and and hadn't got a lot of recognition until he until he started to really break out with with Vancouver. Um, who else we got here? Palmu and Breezebaugh. Gadjevic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so all those guys, you know, Vancouver's got Vancouver's got an awesome, uh, awesome farm system. And I sometimes I think we live in a bit of an echo chamber with Cam Cam Robinson, who's obviously a huge Vancouver supporter and and very vocal about it. Um, but you know, he's he's entirely justified in in saying all of that. You know, they're they got a lot of uh, a lot of still, despite despite a lot of their top prospects already being on the Vancouver roster, they still have a lot of. Uh, a lot of A minus or or B plus type of prospects playing in Utica. Um, Demko is definitely a guy who's going to be up uh, up in Vancouver probably next year, um, maybe in a in a in a backup role or uh, or maybe just get a few a few games in. Um, but but he's definitely the goalie of the future there, and that's going to be that sort of sort of weighed a little bigger on uh, on on their their pipeline list uh, as far as as far as the importance that that it has in in their organization. So that's why they're at three. You think Cam likes uh, Pedersen at all? I don't know if he's a big fan. I'm not sure either. All right, on that note, let's move on. Uh, We talked a little bit about Bridgeport. They got some players there. They got a couple real wild cards at the top of the list. Josh Hosang recently recalled uh, up into the NHL. They got some injuries there, so he could be getting some ice time this week. Michael Dal Cole, another player I'm personally really familiar with, having watched him play in the OHL, uh, traded to Kingston at the end of his junior eligibility in his career. Terrific player, hasn't been able to really translate that into a lot of success at the pro level. A little bit more success this year. Uh, some other players on on their roster that are interesting would be Devin Taves, no relation to Jonathan. Uh, the other, Sebastian Ajo. Kiefer Bellows, you might remember him from such hit shows like the World Juniors where he tore up and filled the net. Uh, they got a couple of goalies as well that are 
need to know players must own fantasy players. Mitch Van Sample, uh, defenseman I'm really familiar with as well. So what's your thought on the the top two guys on that list, Hosang and Doc Are they ever going to get it together and be fantasy relevant NHL players? And maybe who are some of the other prospects that they have that uh, could be breaking out yeah. in the near future? You're, you're bang on. Both those guys are are total wild cards. Um, my guess is is truly as good as yours with with both Del Cole and Hosang. Um that's a you know it's a total ma- matter of uh, of management or or lack of management mismanagement sort of thing with those two guys. Um, Del Cole though, like you mentioned, you know he is uh, he's he's just he's just struggled to to get his game together in the AHL. Um, he's one of those guys maybe who who didn't have the uh, the compete level coming out of junior or or maybe maybe lacking on a little bit of the the hockey IQ side of things to to totally convert his offense to, to a professional game. Um, you know, he's come on a little bit more this year than he, than he had in, in his rookie season or in his, in his sophomore season with, uh, with Bridgeport. But, um, you know, still he's, he's getting, I, I believe he's 20, 21 or 22 now. So, you know, he's, he's kind of, uh, rounding that cusp of, uh, of, of what, what would make him, uh, a legitimate top tier prospect. You know, I think he's kind of already, uh, deviated from that track obviously so I would still um, consider him in in some leagues I I actually uh, own Dal Cole in in the DPFHL still um, he's he's a big cap hit but he's not uh, he's not taking anything up for me right now because he's still minor eligible so um, Hosang on the other hand I'm I'm a little more bullish on him still um, he's a guy who uh who I, I thought really deserved a better chance last last year uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, they sent him down quite early and uh, didn't give him a whole lot of opportunity in the NHL. Uh, he was off to a good start in in Bridgeport this year and and like you mentioned, just got the call up. So I think he still has top six potential in the in the NHL um, if given if given the opportunity to do so. Um, but looking at the rest of this list, um, Pete, I actually you know I'm I'm thinking as far as the criteria that I had for for uh, this list that that's outlined in in the article a little better i might have even put them higher you know the this list of of players in here could could really if managed properly and and developed properly could really have a positive impact on this roster in the future um chris gibson's a guy that came over from toronto a couple of years ago um you know might might sort of be fading now uh, out of the prospect world but but he's a guy who uh who could still uh, factor in as maybe a backup goalie in the future. Uh, Linus Soderstrom, um, also a, a good prospect um, in the net. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is a guy who uh, was drafted as an overager. Um, he is the Sebastian Ajo B. Uh, he will never, as far as I'm concerned, will will never uh, amount to Sebastian Ajo A. Um, Kiefer Bellows is a guy who probably still uh is is at the top of uh at the top of the islanders list as far as prospects goes he's still definitely got uh, top six potential um a guy who who um out of his draft year went to uh and i know both these both these universities are, are passionate about their teams and i'm not 100 percent sure which one it was but either to bc or to bu uh, and struggled there um from from boston he went to uh Portland, I believe, of the Western Hockey League, and and had a pretty awesome season there. 
So now he's he's working into the AHL and he's off to a good start. I wonder if uh, a change of scenery would benefit guys like Hosang and Dal Cole. Uh, might, maybe the New York Islanders want to try and recuperate on those assets before they write them off. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. And the last team on your list, ranking at the top five, Philadelphia Flyers. We spoke a little bit about how impressed I am with the job Ron Hextall did. Uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are their AHL affiliate. I think they're loaded for bear. Carter Hart is, in my opinion, the best goalie prospect in the world. Uh, German, Rub- German Rubstov is a nice two-way forward. Philippe Myers, I think they uh, they found free money with him when they signed him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, his prospect stock has just gone up significantly. He was looking really impressive with Canada at the World Juniors before he got injured as well uh, a year or two ago. Uh, they got a couple other prospects and young players on their roster as well. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the Philadelphia Flyers who you think would be the most fantasy relevant prospects. Uh, I guess yeah. Carter Hart is kind of a slam dunk. So yeah, Carter Hart is, is really what got uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms on this list. Um, as far as the other guys go, you know, they're, they're all um, in that, in that B plus range. As far as prospects goes, David case, maybe not so much, but um, Nicholas Albe Kubel, uh, I'm not hundred percent sure on that pronunciation, but he was a second round pick back in, in 2014. Um, and he's a guy who's really come on offensively this year. Uh, he, he had a little stint in Philly last year, nine games, no points. Um, but, but played a full season for the last, uh, two seasons in Lehigh Valley <clears throat> and, and, you know, put up, put up fairly, fairly good numbers. Um, as far as, uh, a, a smaller forward is concerned in the AHL, especially in his, in his first couple of years, but he's, uh, He's up to 13 points in 16 games this year. So that's a guy who probably uh, has been been sort of quiet on on fantasy radars up until uh, up until this point in his career. Um, but as a 22 year old um, starting to put up put up good numbers in the AHL, he's he's still got a shot to to get in and make an impact with Philly. Um, as you mentioned, you know, German Rubstov is a is another guy who's a who's probably got top six potential, um, a guy that Philly's probably going to hold on to um i wouldn't be uh thinking about you know how we mentioned changes of scenery with uh with some of those guys from from bridgeport german rubstov is a guy who's definitely got a shot in that organization uh same goes for philip myers um mikhail is it mikhail vorbiev um he's you know he had a he had a shot uh in uh in philadelphia at the beginning of the season um and has been since sent down he's uh He's he's doing quite well back in uh, in Lehigh Valley right now. Um, I'm just checking out his uh, elite prospects page right now. So yeah, he's only got 14 games played in uh, in Lehigh Valley, and he's got he's got nine points, which is is uh, is pretty good for for uh, for a sophomore. Yeah, another thing that's really impressive about the Flyers is, I mean, you, right now we're only talking about the players that are on their AHL roster. Uh, if you go into their prospect depth and look outside of the AHL, it's it gets really impressive. Morgan Frost, uh, Felix Sandstrom, Carson yeah. Torinsky, Isaac Radcliffe, Matthew Stone, Noah Cates. Uh, you know, they they just the list just goes on and on with with those guys. Um, but sticking on the AHL, some teams that made the honorable mention list on this. Uh, one team that kind of surprised me was the Bakersfield Condors, Edmonton Oilers affiliate. Uh, 
Um, is that all driven by Kyler Yamamoto? Well, y- yes and no. Um, Cameron Hebig is a guy who's uh, who I've got on that list who probably is not a familiar name to a lot of guys um, or gals. Um, he uh, he came out of the Western Hockey League um, as an undrafted free agent, and he's really making an impact in Bakersfield. And and as most of us know, um, Edmonton's really struggling with their their depth on the wings. Uh, so Kyler Yamamoto definitely is going to be a guy who uh, whose development is is at the at the forefront for for Edmonton. Um, but Cameron Hebig is a guy who's who's also off to a positive start there. And uh, and if if that if that development continues, you know he's he's 21 years old. Um, but if that if that kind of pace continues for him in Bakersfield. That could uh, could be a big big thing for for the Oilers for their uh, for their depth on the wing. So that was my conversation with Braden Olofsson of Dauber Prospects. I want to thank Braden for coming on and chatting AHL prospects with me. And uh, that wraps up this uh, this episode of Dauber Prospects Radio. I want to thank you for your time. And uh, today's outro music is a song by. 1970s folk singer American Rodriguez, who is the artist you might know from the documentary Searching for Sugarman. Fascinating story. I suggest you uh, give it a give it a watch. He made an album, kind of faded away into and an enemy, and unbeknownst to him, he became a folk legend in South Africa of all places. Uh, carried on with his life, started working a job as a construction worker, and then later on realized he was this uh, huge major, major star in another country, in another part of the world. Uh, his music is, is really interesting. I highly recommend you give it a shot. Uh, and this is one of his songs, Jane is Pity. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Thinking, feeling insecure The mocking court gesture Claims there is no proven cure Go back to your chamber Your eyes upon the wall Cause you got no one to listen You got no one to call And you think I'm curious Drifting Drowning in a purple sea of doubt You wanna hear she loves you But the words don't fit the mouth You're a loser, a rebel, a cause without But don't think me callous Dancing Rosemary, disappearing Sister Ruth Just your yellow appetite That has you choking on the truth You gave in You gave out Outlive your dreams of you And I can't get jealous So go on You'll continue With your nose so open wide Knocking on the door That says Hurry, come inside Don't bother to buy insurance Cause you've already died And you can't be serious
time and you can thank me for mine and after that said forget it bag it man okay. I don't know if this is recording oh yep there it is we're all set yeah yeah oh yeah I got the I got the thing up at the top perfect I'll have to cut a few seconds out <clears throat>